welcome to the Moonshine Jesus Show. We're certainly glad that you have joined us here today. We also want to make sure that you join us in future episodes. So make sure that you follow us on Facebook and follow us in any of the places where you get your podcast. We're listed there. So go ahead and sign up for the broadcast. Uh, we're glad that you have joined us. I am glad that my buddy Caleb has joined us. How are you doing today, Caleb? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Mark? Not not as I, nice background backdrop today. Right. It's, it's week, not quite know? the same as the beach yeah. backdrop from last week. Well, it is what it is. I'm excited to be here still, even without the beach backdrop, because I, I think this is going to be really interesting. We're talking about Hulu's uh, latest iteration of the movie series Predator. It's going to be pretty interesting. Uh, it's a surprising, I think, a very surprising movie. Uh, but before we get started, I want to mention that we are sponsored by ProgressiveChristianity.org, a great place for you to go and get all your progressive Christian needs filled there. Also, very important, we always like to make sure that uh, the listeners out there know this show is a spoiler full, not spoiler free, a spoiler full <laughs> zone. You're going to hear things that you might not want to hear if you haven't seen whatever we're talking about. So just be aware of that. It might be worth the risk because it's such a fun show. You might enjoy it, it anyway. It is. It is. We have a great time. Uh, and speaking of having a great time, Caleb, we talked about this last time. You and I, even after the show finishes, frequently have a very good time like we do once we yeah once we stop the broadcast there's there's frequently more conversation mm -hmm. always and yeah. we've had a few drinks by then and so right. we're pretty fun by the end of the show yeah. right yeah we, we're having a good time a lot of times we find that the conversation goes to even deeper places than we were going mm -hmm. during the show afterwards so we have this thought we and if you're interested please let us know uh just put it in the comment section here um you know, what What about would you like to have an after show where uh, folks for a very limited amount of, of, of buy-in, like five bucks a month or something like that, uh, mm -hmm. pay and we send a link out after the show and we have like another half hour or more of conversation where we're not just talking, but all of our listeners can join in and, and add their, uh, their thoughts too. I, I mean, I think it'd be a blast, don't you? It would be fantastic. And, you know, it would be fun to hear some other perspectives. I mean, well, we, we have a great time talking to each other, Absolutely. but yeah. you all have great ideas too. And sometimes, Absolutely. maybe often, better ideas than we have. And so we want to yeah. see what you're drinking and hear what you're thinking about these shows too. I, I, I want to do it, Mark. I, I agree. I, I think it'd be a lot of fun. So if you're watching live, put that in the comment section. If you're not watching live, it, email us and let us know what you think. We'd love to do it if you're interested in it. But we do need to keep this show uh, rolling down the road. So Caleb, uh, what we always do at the beginning is have a cocktail, a themed cocktail. So I'm curious, sir, what did you come to the table with today? Yeah, so uh, last week, I think we both had green drinks, and I yes. decided that I was going to continue that tradition. Oh, This lovely. week, I'm going to have well, a green it, drink. It was a very green movie. It was definitely a very green movie. There's lots of outdoor greenery, so this, I like it. I like it. it. There was a lot of greenery, and the Predator's blood was bright neon Absolutely. green. Absolutely, indeed. And so indeed. I am drinking a Predator's Blood, and you can see Ooh. it is bright neon green. And so it's made with uh, Old Smoky Moonshine and some uh, 
It is the end of summer, and so I'm honoring that uh, with polar ice pops. And so oh, my, my wife, <laughs> my wife made this for me. Uh, oh, so that's so old cool. Smoky moonshine and ice pops. How about you, Mark? What do you got? I am going with, uh, I am rebranding an old drink that had a very insensitive name to it. I'm, I'm rebranding the Indian summer as a I native summer. Yeah, mm. I, of course there's bourbon in it. Of course that's where I'm going. <laughs> I'm rebranding it as a native summer. Uh, mm -hmm. it's got, uh, Two ounces of bourbon, a splash of sweet vermouth, a little bit of bitters, some orange juice in there. You mix that up together, then you top it off with seltzer. And that is the drink I have here. Mm. It looks like a, a hot summer's day. So uh, cheers uh, to you, sir. I am looking forward cheers, to a great right? show. Uh, and uh, we'll catch the rest of you on the other side of this break. Jesus. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show, where today we're talking about Hulu's Prey. Prey mm -hmm. is a 2022 American science fiction action horror film based on the mm -hmm. Predator franchise. It's the fifth installment, and it is a prequel to the first mm -hmm. four films, being the first set in the northern Great Plains in North America, and it is set in 1719. And so it is kind of a fun uh, movie, yeah. uh, uh, but very different. Uh, I loved it. It's got the highest Rotten Tomatoes score of any in the series. I think it's currently at 93% fresh. And well-deserved because well I thought it did a great job of placing native people at the forefront, showing that it could be like a regular movie, but starring native people. And I, yeah. I think that 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 was good it wasn't uh, it wasn't necessarily focused just on like native issues which is mm -hmm. what a lot of these kind of movies want to do but it showed that native people can be at the forefront of just a regular film and it could still be a very successful film so yeah. i do like the science uh, fiction action horror genre but <laughs> last week you said that you're not a huge fan of this genre so i want to know no. uh, what no. you thought about it what your take was well, look, I wasn't. I, <laughs> so at, at our house, we we struggle with trying to find the shows that we both might like. And I'm not a big I fan guess. of horror movies mm -hmm. in general because they're so formulaic. They're so predictable. Mm -hmm. You can just listen to the music alone and figure out when the scares are going to happen. And the jump scares are forecasted mm -hmm. and predictable. And it's just boring because you can mm -hmm. see everything coming before it happens, which is one of the reasons I have never particularly cared about Predator. But... We were in sort of a lull at the house. We were like, eh, let's mm -hmm. uh, let's check this out. It could, who, we'll check it out. It was more me saying, I think you're going to like this. We'll watch it. I absolutely loved it. Like, I mm -hmm. loved this movie. Um, yeah. It yeah. was not predictable. It wasn't about jump scares. I mean, they were there, but they weren't. That wasn't the main way that they were scaring folks. Uh, the, 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 the resolution to uh, ending the monster was not about brute force. It was about mm -hmm. intellect and skill uh -huh. and like, uh -huh. it was really well done. And then it was all set against this background uh, uh, 
uh, of native culture, uh, for mm -hmm. particularly Comanche culture, and mm -hmm. it was incredibly well done. It was shown not only just uh, so realistically, but I loved the artistic style. I mean, how can I, yeah. I, I'm saying artistic style about a horror movie, but <laughs> right. there were these great moments where the, the, the main character, Nauru, uh, 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 a, a girl who is um, wanting to become a warrior and is working against, overly against the kind of expectations of, of her tribe. And there's these great moments where the women are walking off to do women's work and they have, uh -huh. and, and, and they're doing yeah. very realistic depictions of what would have been traditionally right. mostly thought of as women's work of them walking off with her walking the exact opposite direction getting ready to go do her own kind of more warrior oriented training that she's doing for herself and there's so there's this lovely artistic moments even that are happening where visually we're seeing this uh the, the going across each other i i yeah. thought it was done so well on many levels i mean what did you come yeah. away feeling? Yeah, so that that scene in particular that you were just describing was one that hit mm -hmm. me too because because she had it, it kind of left the impression that she had failed her task, right? And she was going to go back right. to the women's work, like the gathering exactly. work. And yeah. then she's she sets it down and and she goes back. And you're right to see vis visually see her going yeah. against the grain with all the women going this way and her mm. choosing a separate path. I mean, it was yeah. a commentary without having to. Have have it explained you could visually see what she was doing so i yeah. i also like the the thought that it was women's empowerment here with mm -hmm. without being uh heavy-handed about yeah. it like she was a real person who who just was trying to learn how to to hunt better it just was what she felt like she wanted to do and so it showed her kind of struggling and it, it felt as if she was a real person and i think maybe that's yeah. one of the things i liked about it most is that she was a very relatable character naru was just a very human character and and we weren't getting a heavy-handed message about uh like a warrior woman uh, or um, no women empowerment and that's kind of what i went in expecting because i yeah. i knew what the movie was going to be about i i knew that it was sure. you know a, a woman in the main role and i thought well what we're going to see is her uh a, you know two hours of her going head to head with the predator you know brute mm. force brute force and you're right that right really the what it was about was her using her intellect and showing how right. the intellect was superior and i thought that was a fantastic move i loved it i loved I did it, 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 it was time. so smart and they did so many things that you don't normally see in movies like this and you certainly yeah. haven't seen in any of the predator movies um uh i i love the way they built her character her brother asking her why do you want to hunt and her saying because y'all all think i can't I love that mm -hmm. kind of like setting the character up that way. But then later on, um, the question comes up of, of uh, why, why Nauru, why are you so dangerous? And she says, yeah. I'm dangerous because I'm not seen as a threat. Yeah. And that was incredible. And going back to, again, how in the world is a horror movie artistic? They have artistically set up that line because the predator historically has only gone after threats mm -hmm. and right. so she's she's saying i'm not just dangerous i'm dangerous not only because the predator doesn't see me as a threat but you don't see me as a threat you, you don't think i should hunt you don't think this is right for me i'm dangerous because nobody the predator my mm -hmm. own people mm -hmm. don't see me as a threat which is my real power and that's where my strength yeah. comes from i thought that was 
brilliant and such a great lesson, uh, particularly mm-hmm. in a culture right now where we're all about bravado and and about mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. a, asserting power. That maybe the real power is when you're not seen as a threat, but have this technical ability, this skill set, this intellect to be able to affect change or you know uh, outcomes. That's also a very Christian message, I think, right? Because the mm-hmm. Christian message isn't about the bravado. It's not not Absolutely. about the, yeah. the brute force, yeah. right? It's about it's about changing the underlying systems and changing within yourself so that so that you're uh, uh, looking at the world in a peaceful way and going through the world yeah. in a peaceful way. And so, to me, that really resonated for that for that reason too, because. Uh, even though this wasn't about Christian theology at all, right? I, I sat there yeah. and I watched and I yeah. thought, this, this, is, this is what Jesus's message was about. It was about living your life kind of like this in a way that you're changing, changing the world little by little, not going out in this big kind of with gusto, but, but mm-hmm, going and addressing mm-hmm. the small things as yeah, you yeah. can do them. So I so I really appreciated that. You know, I also appreciated the way that, uh, in speaking of artistic pieces of the movie, the way that they incorporated ritual throughout uh, throughout this. And I think yeah. that was something that was very interesting for me is is mm-hmm. how they used ritual markers throughout the movie, right? So yeah. they so there's this this whole thought that she's supposed to go out and hunt something that is hunting her right it's this Mm -hmm. kind of coming of age thing as she's coming into her own as a warrior and uh and the the ritual markings of that and i i also felt like we we got the the scenes where someone is kind of named the warrior king or queen after they've defeated an animal and there's this whole ceremony around all of that and uh this this whole (laughs) ritual piece and i and there were several scenes that involved water, right? At at significant right. moments, where where you get where you get her cleansing in the water, you get kind of like uh, a kind of a baptism imagery uh, at key, yeah. at pivotal moments when she's going through a change of like inner awakening as she's mm-hmm. coming to see herself more as someone who really does have power and significance, and uh, that was something that really spoke to me did the ritual stuff resonate with you at all oh absolutely and i i i loved the flip-flopping of uh the 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 men coming in with their prey and 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 it was significant at least within in terms of uh the culture that they were in and, and what we were all looking at but um i i loved how it flopped when she finally defeated the predator and mm-hmm. she comes in with this this it's like you've undersold me for so long and mm-hmm. and i felt excluded from from these rituals in some ways because you don't think i should be a hunter um and then she gets to have this final victory which everyone else wasn't able to pulling yeah. on more than just brute strength but pulling on her wisdom on her intellect on on her ability to sit and analyze and make choices and decisions of it and then she shows up with this prize essentially this head yeah uh yeah for the ritual that's bigger than anything else unlike anything they've ever seen and there's yeah. this kind of moment where everyone's standing around looking at each other like uh yeah how what what What? do we is this okay and then it's like full-on celebration and it's like this wonderful victorious moment and you can almost feel a cultural shift uh Mm. that happens there um i i will say though i don't want to present this as if there aren't 
uh, historical records of very strong warrior women from uh, right. natives. Uh, a matter of fact, there is this, according to some sources, General Custer was actually defeated by Buffalo uh, Calf Roadwoman. So mm. there are uh, several sources that believe that General Custer himself was defeated by a, 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 a native warrior. Uh, buffalo mm. calf road woman so i don't want to present it as that is, is uh, uh, uh so unbelievably unique and and it was only in a movie that it could happen it, it, there's some some sources that say it happened in real life but i do love that in this particular tribe it was very clear that it was masculine right. dominated and that this uh this this woman naru completely like in this one moment ultimately shifts their whole understanding uh, of their culture and their respect for women as warriors. And that's a good point, Mark, because there's quite a bit of evidence to show too, that in indigenous tribes, that there were, uh, there was greater equality, you know, there was some mm -hmm. understanding of gender roles, but Very there was also so. a, a, an understanding that, uh, that people were equal and that women had uh, leadership roles and that their voices yeah. were listened to and respected. And so uh, the, that even in this movie where there's kind of this masculine dominance, that, that scene that you were just talking about where she comes in with the head of the predator, there's even a finer moment, I think, when everyone's looking around, but the chief of the tribe looks at Naru's mother as if, mm. like, are mm -hmm. we supposed to make her the, you know, the war? And the, and the right. mother just just nods her head nods. and then yeah and so i think that's a, a a kind of a significance of the role that that women played in the tribe and the role her mother did it is like the chief Absolutely. looked to her and she said yes and and, yes. and he gives it and there's and there's that yeah cultural that was shift. brilliant it was a wonderful and uh, this movie uh for a horror movie right a predator <laughs> movie the last it's, predator it is... movie it's crazy right because the last it's predator so movie unexpected I saw, it's unexpected because yeah. the last one I saw was Alien vs. Predator, and it was a oh bad movie. It was a bad <laughs> movie. And so this, to like have cultural commentary that's unspoken oh, wow. and visually yeah. shown is powerful. Yeah. Oh, Mark, there is a lot here. I, I love this uh, movie. Indeed. And there are a I lot did of too. The theopolitical themes that we can get into, I know. So why don't we pivot? We've geeked out a little bit. Why don't we pivot? <laughs> and let's talk more about uh, theology and politics in this next segment. Welcome back to the Moonshine Jesus Show. You're joining us for our theopolitical segment. So uh, I, I think this was, this theopolitical segment will be slightly different maybe than a lot of ours in that it's less, for me at least, I think the direction we need to go is less about what was in the movie than what the movie represents. So hmm. I want to start from at least in the last decade or maybe even two decades. Yeah. Nationally, our recognition of, of, of the native peoples ha has been pretty much lacking, uh, even in, in the news. Yeah. 
I mean, I think the one thing we have is the pipeline prote- protest of the Standing Rock uh, Sioux Reservation in North Dakota, uh, which raised yeah. some awareness mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and gave us some, but it would really became a very divisive um, uh, uh, mm-hmm. news piece, more so than mm-hmm. an, uh, a piece that was looking to understand uh, Native native peoples so one of the things that so what i what what i'm thinking about is some of the statistics that that Mm -hmm. i think it's very important this show did such a great job of doing fair representations and i think what we have in in our current uh culture is is unfair and not real representations quite the opposite of what this movie did so listen one in three native uh, uh peoples are living in poverty Mm-hmm. Uh, and natives have a, a uh, significantly higher higher lack of, of health equity than the average American citizen citizen and, and, and pretty much on any measurement of, of having a, uh, a life that is sustainable and reasonable and healthy. We have a, a giant lack in this culture in particular, maybe more so than almost all other areas. So I'm curious why you think that continues to be the case and why it is um, something, even as we looked at the pipeline, we weren't going too deeply into that. We almost turned our heads to any of the realities there. And, and what do you think is behind why all of this is, is, is the, the current reality and why are we not doing anything about it? Yeah, racism and culturalism. So right. I think so. I grew up in in Missouri, an like an hour from Oklahoma, uh, which has you know a, a high uh, native population. And uh, I remembered that in school, I had one unit once about uh, about native people in the United States, and it was not something that we ever talked about whenever right. uh, I was growing up. And uh, and so I've I've talked to a lot of folks who who grew up in that same part of the country and never heard anything about it. And I, I remember even when I was in college, we had a, a Native American religions. I was a religious studies major, Native American religions class on the books that was never once taught. And so I think we don't have any education about Native peoples, about their traditions, about right. their histories. I think that makes it easy to other people uh, who, who we haven't had uh, kind of any experience about. And then I think that uh, the way uh, we have set things up uh, are uh, we have we have set things up to inherently be racist, right? We've set Native peoples up on reservations and uh, right. there is uh, endemic poverty there. And I think we also see a lot of environmental racism playing into that, right? So reservations tend to be favorite dumping sites for toxic waste, uh, right. for instance. Um, uh, native sites uh, tend to be favorite places to to create garbage dumps too, and uh, so right. we like our society is set up in such a way so that we continue to oppress native people, even though we're living in the year 2022, and uh, even though most people look back and like, man, uh, uh, white folks didn't do great didn't do great things for native people in the United States. Right. Uh, there's no, there's no, there's no like act for reconciliation. There's no discussion of uh, reparations, how that can be done. I, I think we continue in our culture to, to propagate this understanding of native Americans. I think that that uh, is pretty visible. 
Yeah, I think it is very visible. And not only do we use it as a dumping ground, but we also yeah. uh, let corporations basically rape the land, which is uh, is mm -hmm. uh, core to uh, uh, Native people's understanding of even who they are. They are a people of the land. Uh, mm -hmm. And we allow uh, uh, pillaging of, of, of natural resources that and frequently both dumping on and raping the natural resources of sacred grounds. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, th I think it's a little too simple to just to say it is uh, racism. I, I feel like is there not something deeper going on here of why it, it's so specific? I mean, is there any other group of people? in the United States that we uh, uh, consolidate to a confined area and then abuse them within that area on top of it. Is there any other group? It feels like this is even a more extreme mm. version of racism than we see for a lot of other folks. Not, not that it lessens the racism towards other folks, but it's a very specific kind of racism. And I, I, I wonder why it is so different in the yeah. way that we address this particular group of peoples. I mean, do you have thoughts on what that could or couldn't be? I mean, yeah, I think that's a great point, Mark, and a great way to refine how we're, th how we're thinking about this, because I think all people of color are, uh, you know, are, are living uh, kind of marginalized lives in the United States are certainly being, is suffering from systemic oppression in the United States as we continue to see, you know, uh, people of color targeted. But you're right, not in the same way that people are confined to their own land. And so I think this is uh, continuing to be kind of this, uh, this uh, an extension of uh, the doctrine of discovery, uh, kind mm. of the uh, kind of theology that we see, and uh, and you know the the whole the whole thought that uh, that whatever we've seen we've claimed. And so I think there's this kind of um, this kind of sense especially among white Americans that okay you know it was pretty bad what we did to native peoples here but you know manifest destiny uh, it was it was necessary for for the United States to come to be what it was and so I think a lot of people give that lift lip service but they don't really mm -hmm. they don't really think it was a bad idea. You know, mm, they, 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 mm. and so they don't, there's not really guilt around that in the same way. I think Interesting. pretty much everyone agrees that slavery was, was a bad idea, right? Even if you come from a family that inherited wealth because of slavery. But right. I think there are a lot of white Americans who believe that even though, yeah, it, it, we've got to say that it was, it was wrong to, for the Trail of te Tears. And so I think a lot of white American people actually believe that it was necessary to oppress Native mm. folks for the, for the growth of uh, the United States as a superpower and for the growth of the United States GDP. And so I don't think people feel bad at all still today about oppressing yeah. uh, Native yeah. peoples because I think okay. they still see it as something that is uh, 100% percent appropriate and uh and necessary uh obviously that is completely uh morally reprehensible and oh absolutely christian yeah but, but i All think right. a lot of white americans feel that way and a lot of white american christians in particular have a lot of reprehensible views so i don't know what do you think <laughs> well i mean I, I i can hear very clearly what you're saying and i don't disagree yeah. with it at all but i do think there's more of a subconscious thing going on here and and, and oddly i'm going to connect it with homeless people um, there is this subconscious thing that we do with uh, homeless folks where we do everything we can to keep them away from any place we have to see them 
because of our guilt about their existence. We, mm-hmm. we, we make benches that they can't sleep on. We, we put spikes under bridges so they can't lay down. We make rules so that they can't stand on street corners without going through a lot of things that folks who are already struggling would have a difficulty to, to mount the benchmarks that are required. I do believe that a part of what this is, is it's very subconscious piece of uh, the recognition of a nation that what we did was reprehensible, unforgivable. And, and, and instead of trying to make reparations and to correct our issues, we'd much rather push it away to little tiny corners of our nation that we'd not like to pay attention to and, and uh, ignore them so much so that, uh, that, that, that there are issues with health, there are issues with water, there are issues with like anything that makes a decent living standard. I, I do think there is a bit of just trying to live in denial um, that we, we see along, particularly for me, it parallels with the homeless population, which I did some work with, in terms of trying to uh, ignore the reality that's actually there. I, I think it's both. I mean, I, th- I think what you said is very true. I think our cognitive uh, response is what you were talking about. But I think there is a subconscious response that is very much about trying to tuck it away in a place that we don't actually have to pay attention to it. And that makes it even worse. Yeah, I, I like that, Mark. You're you're giving folks uh, more credit than I was. I, they're actively, <laughs> I uh, actively right. people. That the homeless thing though is super real, Mark. You're 100 yeah. percent right about that. Yeah. That like right. I've heard so many people. They're like, well, you know, we've got to get homeless folks away. From right away from here because you know it's dangerous or whatever i'm like it's not that they're dangerous it's that it's inconvenient for yep. you yep. to recognize Absolutely. that they 100%. exist and so 100%. i i 100 uh and i think that the same might be be true with native yep. people like before you finish this segment though I, there's one yep. more issue that i really want to talk about that that really gets completely covered up and it is such a major massive issue the numbers on this are crazy and no one's talking about it so violence against mm-hmm. indigenous women, indigenous mm-hmm. girls, and two-spirit people uh, or mm-hmm. gender non-conforming people uh, mm-hmm. from, from nat- the native uh, culture mm-hmm. are 10 times higher than any wow. other mm. ethnicity. Wow. Any other. So my question to you is twofold. Why do you think that is true about the specific culture of people? Mm-hmm. And what do we need to be doing about it? Why is it that we're being so silent about it as a nation? I mean, that is a, a, a damning, a damning number, 10 times higher than any other, than any yeah. other ethnicity. And we have yeah. you do you hear about that in any national press about any like do we ever see people talking about that? Very rarely, very rarely. Right. And I mean, and, uh, you know, I follow uh, some, uh, you know, uh, indigenous pages and, and yes, all and indigenous right. news sources. So I hear about it some, but, but no, in terms of national news, no, you don't ever hear about it. I don't think it's yeah. surprising though. I mean, I think that most groups that are marginalized in some way are, mm-hmm. are groups where it is easier for this kind of uh, this kind of violence to happen sure. and for people who are already di- disempowered and disenfranchised but, but we're talking to, about 10 times higher man we're not I talking know. about 
I know, but it, but it's why, tied why, into exactly why, why what, would it be so much more pronounced? That's it, it's tied into I'm, it's tied into what we were talking about earlier. I think yeah. I think it's viewed into how how people how people see it. I, I think it's yeah. it's also uh, tied into how like um, within the culture itself, like like how people recognize you know their own mm-hmm. disenfranchisement and disempowerment. Uh, because yeah. I, I I think you know it's not just say like white people going in and inflicting this violence. It's also uh, violence within tribal communities. And I think this this kind of thing happens in, in places where there aren't the same kind of accountability structures. Um, but I, I don't know. You you sound like you've given this a lot of thought. What do you think, Mark? Uh, do, you, do you have uh, thoughts about about it? Why it's 10 times higher? On, on a, uh, honestly, I was hoping you'd have an answer. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I find that number disturbing, uh, and, and yeah. I find the reality disturbing. Uh, yeah. I, I am I'm very uh, fearful for uh, just humanity in general that, that the reality is that, and, and I'm going to use the title of the movie here, that yeah. uh, they are seen as easy prey, that That's, they are the most mm-hmm. marginalized group of people. Yeah. And that particularly, and I, I haven't seen the statistic on this, and I'm going to uh, put it out there in terms of what my uh, yeah. personal belief is. I suspect yeah. that most of this violence against these particular group of people are from uh, white men, frankly. And so there is this sense of privilege this sense of uh, uh, of uh, power over that has become so ingrained in white men and that this group of people in particular are seen as very easy prey because we as a nation ignore their value. We ignore what we have done to them. We marginalize them into very small areas of even the, the, the space that they occupy in our nation. And so it, for me, that, that is alone the reason why we need to make monstrous more efforts to uh, open things back up, to um, make reparations for all of the harm that we have done, to educate ourselves, and, and to uh, lift back up these nations who are so foundational to this land. Great point. Great point, Mark. Well, we could go on and on, and these are very important topics, but we only have a limited time. And uh, I have so much fun uh, in our next segment where we each get to try, at least do our best, to make our co-host look stupid. So we're going to do that (laughs) right after the break. moonshiners and welcome back to the moonshine jesus show we are entering our last segment of today's episode on pray the make Uh, me look stupid segment and this is a lot of fun where we get to ask a lot of questions and uh try to make each other look stupid and so mark (laughs) uh before i get uh too distracted i want to pick up on on what you were just saying and uh about how how we ought to be doing more you know to, to to educate and to lift up 
um, the the traditions of native peoples here in in the United States. Yeah. And so here's my question specifically. I okay. want to know what churches can do, what Christians can do to do a better job of lifting up native peoples. I mean, I is it doesn't seem to me that just say doing a land acknowledgement is enough, which is something that is becoming more common in churches, right? Uh, here in San Diego, sure. we often say we're on Kumeyaay land. Uh, but what what is it that we can do beyond land acknowledgments and uh, beyond just kind of giving lip service to sure. uh, standing in solidarity with Native tribes to ensure that we're doing a better job as Christians? I'll, I'll give three answers to this, a three-part answer. I think first that's of all, a, that's quick, Mark. Quick processing, right? I, well, <laughs> hey, I'm, I, at, at this point, I am well lubricated, so the mind works faster. I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not so far lubricated that it works slower. So I'm gonna give a three. <laughs> three right, part answer. I'm a, okay. A three part answer. So the first thing uh, I, I think that we can do is. Uh, uh, spend more time educating ourselves and learning about the culture and learning uh, the mm -hmm. history and understanding uh, and, 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 and not making it uh, so oversimplified that it's a, either a very violent group or a very spiritual group, but actually just mm -hmm. understanding this deep, amazing culture that went on that had a lot of equality in it that re that understood creation and the importance of creation and the connectedness of all of us to creation and to each other. There is so much valuable work that we can do there that we, if we learn more about that, it's going to provide a lot more um, um, respect for the culture. Second thing I would say uh, is to give, to donate. There are a lot of groups out there that are working towards the betterment of native peoples in terms of education, in terms of health, in terms of, uh, uh, of living conditions, and, uh, and even in terms of, of, of political advocation or advocacy. So I think you need to do a lot more of that. And then we need to do our own political advocacy. That'd be the third part where when we vote, we need to be paying attention and asking very specific questions. I, I honestly think this is a very important issue that we have ignored far too long in our nation. Mm -hmm. And we need to be bringing in candidates that will advocate for native peoples and promote their needs and promote uh, a giving back to those nations for all that we took from them. So for me, that's the three things, education, uh, giving and uh, to groups that are already doing the work because Churches aren't going to get up to speed fast enough. You need to just go ahead and connect with the groups that are already doing the work and promote them and give to them. And then finally, make sure you're voting for folks that actually make a difference and promote uh, uh, policy and polity that helps indigenous peoples. Yeah. What are your thoughts in there? Well, I love that, Mark. I, I love the thought of putting our money where our mouth is in particular to ensure that we're actually contributing to, to help Native tribes. I like the thought of not just voting for uh, people who we think will be supportive of Indigenous people simply because of, say, the political party that they belong to, but also asking where Indigenous people are on the ballot. Right. Yeah. And, and if there are indigenous people on the ballot, as there sometimes are in Southern California, mm -hmm. I often will, will vote for people for that reason with, the, that. with the recognition that uh, I know that I like you for some reason, for some reason, the, the, <laughs> the drinks and voting. 
<laughs> you know, I also I, I think that I think churches can do things liturgically as well that, uh, oh, absolutely. that really can can help. I, I do point. think there is value to the land acknowledgement. I think there is uh, value to um, talking theologically about uh, about climate change and how that yep. it, and how environmental racism particularly affects uh, indigenous tribes. I think there's also so, some real effort that can be made in connecting uh, Christian theology with indigenous spirituality. And you know, I remember when I was growing up, my uh, my we had a youth minister who was preaching John three sixteen. Jesus is, you know, the way, truth, and life. <laughs> the way, the truth, and life. Uh, yeah, and our uh, no one comes to the Father except through me. Blah blah blah. Me. Yep. And, and, right. uh, I, I was part of a, a liberal church, and my minister said, "Oh, you can't preach that here. We don't believe that." We believe there are multiple paths to God. And I remember uh, he went to call my grandfather, who was a retired disciples minister, to see if this is how all disciples of Christ believe. And my grandpa talked to him about Native American uh, uh, spiritual beliefs and, and the thought of, of indigenous beliefs about the, the great spirit and, and all things being created and how compatible that was with Christian theology. Yeah. And I oh, think absolutely. that if we do work like that in worship, uh, mm -hmm. Talking about that—that that, that's powerful. So I, I like your ideas, Mark, and right. I love any ways that churches. Can so be look, look, this this is an important topic. So I think we need yeah. to go ahead and just allow ourselves to run over. I, would you expand on the importance? Because I don't think a lot of people yeah. really understand or even exposed to. Would you expand on the importance of land acknowledgement? Yeah, so I so if you're not familiar with this, one of the things that that is is it, it's recognizing that the land that you sit on isn't really your land, right? Even yep. if you own the deed to the property, that that it was forcibly taken from a native group, and so the land acknowledgement is recognizing that this isn't your land that you're yeah. on. So you start out from that place of humility. And in, in San Diego, most of the land is Kumeyaay land. And so to say that this is Kumeyaay land, we recognize that the reason we have this is because of racism and violence and appropriation, and, and that that's not appropriate. So uh, other acts that are connected to, to land acknowledgements can be some form of reparation, which I, I think is uh, something that's maybe important in, in the monetary piece that you're talking about, Mark, is, is mm -hmm. recognizing that in some way we ought to do what we can to compensate Native peoples for the land that was forcibly taken from yes. them. Absolutely. And I appreciate you expanding on that because I know it's sort of a new concept to a lot of people and it's more than worth taking the time to expand on that. So thanks for that explanation. So Absolutely. now is my turn. Now yeah. I get to try okay. to make yes. you look stupid. Tell me. And, and, and I, I don't know that this is a question that will actually make you look stupid, but I think it's a very important question. It's a big question. There's a lot of answers to it. I'm just curious as to what your answer will be. Um, what? I'm just going to ask the question. I'm not going to preface it. I'm not anything. Okay. Here's okay. the question. Yep. What's the biggest threat to the native peoples of this land right now? What's the biggest threat? Okay, I've got a 52-part answer for you, Mark, and here we go. Wow! <laughs> wow! You're more lubricated than I am. I know, right? 
look, I, I really think I think that the, the the what I was talking about earlier, the 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 biggest danger facing Native peoples right now is the same danger that is affecting all of us, the most pressing issue of our time. But I think it is more so a danger for Native peoples, and that's climate change and the environmental mm -hmm. racism that's resulting. Right. So if you've mm -hmm. if you've got people who are segmented to the least desirable land in the country, as we do, mm -hmm. then those are the pieces of land that are most likely to be impacted by climate change. And we oh, see that we've got yeah. native peoples live, living in the desert, right? Uh, so yep. these, are, these are places that are already dry and barren as it is. And climate change is already impacting that. And as we mentioned earlier, this is, uh, we, we have seen that uh, any desirable land that people still have access to, like say the Dakota Access pipeline, right, that we're talking mm -hmm. about, like right. that, that land's yep. going to be taken away and we're going to move people to somewhere else. And so mm -hmm. then whatever land we have, we're, we're just going to dump whatever crap that we have mm -hmm. uh, that, that's not good for the environment there. So I, I think that's the, one, the next stage of this that we're seeing that we're just yeah. kind of beginning. I mean, some people have been aware of this for longer, but, uh, sure. but I think Christian theology in particular is just becoming aware of the fact like, hey, environmental racism is a thing and it's yeah. really impacting people of color and it's especially impacting indigenous folks. And uh, and we see that by uh, by the way that we we see stuff dumped on the limited amount of land that we've allowed folks to have. So uh, I don't know. What do you think is the most pressing? Well, I, I think that's a great answer. Honestly, I really genuinely do, particularly considering the connectedness of uh, Native peoples with the land. Uh, from a Christian standpoint, you know, early Jews understood them to be a people of the land. So there's a lot of uh, spiritual significance to the idea of recognizing um, the threat of, uh, of, of endangering creation. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit larger than that in my response, um, mm -hmm. I really do think, and you and I both, both of us from different perspectives already talked about this. Mm -hmm. I think the, the, the biggest threat to native peoples is ignorance, lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the more we can educate people and the more that we expose all the things we're trying to hide subconsciously, consciously, in whatever way, I think the more that we are real about what happened and what we have done to a, a group of people um, and the, the significance of their culture and the value of who they are and a, a great depth of, of history of understanding our connection to the land, connection to each other. I think our ignorance to that is what causes the way we treat the specific group of people and take and take advantage in a in a way that abuses them, and I, I feel like if we were more um, educated about who they are and what we have done to them, and um, the value they could add to our society, I feel like if we could do that, um, we we would correct a lot of the wrongs that we've already done. Well, that's a, a pretty good philosophy, I think, for for lots of things. Let's try to break down right. ignorance, and and let's. Right. I, I love that, Mark. Right. That's a that's a good, yeah. and that's I, that's our philosophy here at the Moonshine Jesus Show. Let's mm -hmm. let's drink and let's break down some ignorance. So, help. Right. Thank you for joining us today as we as we're striving to break down. Yes. 
and let's not forget to tell people what next week's going to be about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because which, which, week- which ig- ignorance might be a part of this conversation ultimately. It might be we're we are watching Avatar next week. Yeah. The 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 uh, re-release of Avatar. Did you watch that when it came out? Uh, I, I watched it when it came out. Ago? Yeah, yeah. I, I watched it when it came out. It was uh, honestly, I I probably got so caught up in the uh, brilliance of just the visuals of it all mm-hmm. that I kind of probably missed the subtones of what the story was about. Did you yeah. see it? I did. And it, this was like the first big 3D premiere. I remember that. It was you know, incredible. It was, it was yeah. all, all over. And this was before, you know, it became such a thing that you're like, ah, th- yeah. another 3D movie. No thanks. That this was one when, right. everyone was, oh, you got to go see Avatar. It's 3D. Right. You get the glasses. And, that, and, they're and now the they're red lenses. <laughs> they, they've re-digitized it. They're re-releasing it to, uh, uh, um a theater so a great opportunity this week i think it's going to be a lot of fun so if you if you haven't watched it go re-watch it go re-watch it in the theaters it ought to be a, a fun time oh, to yeah. to go out and, uh, I mean, and we'll vis- visually it is a big movie seeing it on the big yeah. screen really changes your experience it does. It does. So I can't wait to watch it again and come back and talk about it next week. Thanks for a great show today, Mark. It was a lot of fun. And I Same think we to covered you, some important topics. So cheers. Cheers to you, sir. And thanks to everybody. See you next time on The Moonshine Jesus Show. Moonshine Jesus.